Hi, my name is Chanel Otley-Allen and you're listening to Caribbean Boot Stories. Welcome. There's never been a podcast that focuses on Caribbean women from all walks of life, narrating their journey of giving birth, navigating self-care postpartum and parenting across our beautiful region. Now there is. Caribbean Boot Stories is committed to providing a space for honest, non-judgmental conversations fostering a supportive community of listeners, inspired to share and act on the resources born out of every episode. Do enjoy. Hello, lovely listeners. Boy, are you in for a treat this episode. Despite being born in Quebec, Canada, Anika is proud to say that she was raised by St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Anika Elliott epitomizes beauty and brains. She calls herself a longtime media girl with an island soul, chasing her dreams as an actor and beauty expert. I, however, think this is far too modest a description. Anika Elliott is an award-winning TV news personality turned beauty influencer and actor. Anika has held such roles as president of Media Huddle, reporter and anchor at News Talk 1010, national weather broadcaster for the Weather Network, weather anchor for CTV News, Toronto, Canada, and most notably, reporter, anchor, host at CP24 News. She's now a beauty expert on the Marilyn Dennis Show and writes for CBC Life and Refinery29 Canada. The accolades do not end there. Anika has had TV and film roles in Self Made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, Designated Survivor, Shazam, and In the Shadow of the Moon, just to name a few. So I know by now you're thinking, wait, wait, wait. With such a booming career, when does she have time to take care of a newborn? Well, if you ever wondered if you can be a successful entrepreneur and be an available mother, listen. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was so, so sweet of you. Thank you. I'll, I'll give you the, the $10. <laughs> gotcha. Don't worry. I got you. I got you. I'll, sell. Well, I'll send you my cell. Okay. <laughs> so how's, how's it going? Oh my, it's going. I just, we just had a moment right before going on air. I have a, a, a soon to be four month old daughter. Her name is Rain. And so, um, yeah, so a little touch and go right there. Yeah. From there down, there may be a few spit up spots, but hey, you can't see that. You can't okay. see that. Mm-hmm. The beauty <laughs> of Zoom and the beauty <laughs> of like virtual right now. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Okay, good. It, I'm, I want to thank you for just agreeing to do this with me, the Caribbean Boot Story, the podcast. Um, I really, really appreciate that you have decided to come and share your story with us. So thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. So it's so important that I have you on this program simply because you represent the greater community, the diaspora, the Caribbean diaspora, and women who, for various reasons, are no longer living in the Caribbean, but they're abroad. And like we like to say in Trinidad, the naval string bury there. So it bury in St. Vincent, <laughs> it's in Trinidad in my case, but, you know, so we have that connection. And of course, 
a lot of the things that we've been taught, we may pass on to our offspring. And, and it's because of where we came from. So I really wanted to have you represent that. So I'm hope you're, I hope you're okay with being that representation. Yeah, 100%. I totally get that. That's cool. As a matter of fact, I started a digital show called The Anika Show, which was all about that idea of the diaspora and the roots and still having the connection to home, but still being, you know, in my case, a big city girl. And right. so I, I totally relate to that. Yes. Okay, great. Well, first off, let me just admit now, I was kind of stalking your pre- your Instagram page. <laughs> 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 but um, I want you to just share with me how your journey to motherhood started. Like, how was it? How did you become a mother? Oh, well, Chanel, like I, I, the birds and the bees story. No, I'm just <laughs> um, Yeah, it's, it's a thing. I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I knew I always wanted to be a mom, but I never thought I was maternal. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I... We have, I don't really have a lot of um, young kids in my family. As I got a little bit older, a lot of my friends have kids. And so I've sort of become an aunt, so to speak. But I never thought of myself as maternal. But I definitely knew I wanted to have a kid. And um, it just got to a point. I had left my full-time job. As I mentioned, I had a whole other life as a reporter anchor for many years. Quit that. And it was around that time when I felt like, you know, I just really want to come into myself and to be just a better version of who I am. And so I've taken a number of steps doing various things. And that just kind of came along with the process of my husband and I decided that we wanted to, to, to make this step. And I probably like you, Chanel, and a lot of um, Western women were very... Um, we're going to do this. We're going to set out to do that. And I have all my ducks in a row. And this is yes. what I've done to achieve my, my success in my career thus far. I've done these steps. I've believed in myself. And it's come to fruition. However, that's not always the case when it comes to having a kid. Yeah. Um, I, so it was very jarring at first for it not to happen right away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And when I speak of these things, of course, I want to be sensitive to the fact that there are people who are still on that journey and they're exactly. still trying to make a, a, a reality, right? So it's, it's, it's a privileged conversation, certainly, to have, knowing yeah. that I was indeed uh, successful and was able to have a child. I have a, a dear friend. Her name is Saran Jane, Saran Vaughn, and mm-hmm. um, she does a lot of work in terms of reproductive health and fertility and, and women come getting to know their, their womb strength and the, the connection with their periods and those kind of things. And so we talked quite a bit about that journey and how to ready yourself, not just in the way of eating more healthy. Um, I started doing a whole lot of yoga, centering myself and surrendering because right. like I said, I'm a type A person. I'm very much a control freak, yeah. very much a control freak. And this was something I could not control, mm-hmm. right? But you really just, you have, I had to surrender to the process. And I remember getting really upset with my friends because all this, she'd been telling me for years, wait till you're ready to have kids, wait till you're ready. We'll do stuff, we'll do stuff. And I'm ready now. And I'm like, give me the homework. Where is the homework? I'm a homework girl. Give me the steps and whatever. And she's like, surrender just surrender she kept saying like surrender take the yoga sense yourself those kind of things and 
it's just incredible how when I stopped controlling the process and being super anal about everything, um, I don't know if that was a good choice of words, given the context, but um, <laughs> when I stopped doing that, it's, it's just unbelievable how things just fell into place. So it was a little bit of a journey, nowhere near where a lot of people are, but you know, it was definitely something I had to come to terms with. Yes, um, mm. I can definitely relate. <laughs> yeah. Eh? Tell me something. You had your baby after the age of 35. Yep. Right? So in the science world, in the medical world, and I did as well, I was 37. Okay. So, you know, we're considered... We're right? How old am I? Wait, wait, Chanel. How old am I? I, I blacked I black out after 35. I was like, I'm not confident yeah. anymore. I'm 38 this year. Right. Okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yes. So they consider us women who are at an advanced gestational or maternal age. How, what do you have to say about that? Like, did you have any concerns? Did that did that raise any eyebrows for you? I like, know. how do you feel? I had about read that? that. I read that prior, but none of my providers ever used that term. For okay. Me. Okay. So I, it wasn't something that I was constantly hearing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I, my, my um, doctor. So basically, in Canada, you have a doctor, and some women have a gynecologist, but unless you have an under uh, an existing health condition, bandaged vaginal issue, you you would have a gynecologist, but if you don't, you don't need one. Mm-hmm. And so she was always very much like, yeah, you could, you know, you've, you're, you're healthy. Da, 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 da. So she never made me feel like um, this is going to be a, a major issue. Right. So obviously, if you do your checks and balances and so forth, and we made sure we took tests and stuff beforehand and all of that. But um, I didn't, I, it was in the back of my mind personally, but mm-hmm. it was good to not feel it from, from the healthcare providers. Providers. Okay, good. Now, were there, so once you got pregnant, did you get any advice from like typical Vincentian advice or advice from, yeah, let's start with St. Vincent first and then we'll talk about like Canadian folks. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, activities to avoid, foods not to eat, you know, what you should and shouldn't do when you're pregnant. Yeah, exactly. I know my mom always used to be like, don't watch any animal movies. What? Uh, like, Why? don't have a- I don't know. Because I remember she used to tell me this story about how she heard that my dad took her to see Orca, which is a movie about a whale. Yes. And you feel very sorry for the whale. So she's like, you're not supposed to have sympathy for animals when you're pregnant or something like that. I don't know if it'll look like a whale, which is a strange, a very bizarre situation. Yes. yes. Um, she didn't tell me that when I was pregnant, but she, she, I've always, she's always said that. Said that. Yes. <laughs> it was always in my head. Um, people say stuff like, um, don't, you know, don't eat any spicy food. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, again, used to say, don't crave something and scratch your body because that's for you to get a birthmark. Yes. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've heard that one. You heard that one? Yeah. And what about like your Canadian friends or family? Did they say anything to you really? You know what? 
And we'll talk about this a little bit more because I was pregnant in a pandemic. Oh, yeah. Whole story. Mm-hmm. I was very much cut off from people. Nobody except for my husband and myself and my mother touched my belly. Right. Nobody touched my stomach because of the climate that we were in. Yes. And so I just wasn't, I didn't mm. have as much of the, ch- of the chatter mm-hmm. because of that. And I was also very fortunate that two of my best friends also had kids in 2020. Oh, wow. So the people around me who may have been like, oh, I've heard this, I've heard that, were in it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so may not who have been willing to dole out yes. that kind of advice. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, people say don't run, don't do too much. Right. right. Take it easy. <laughs> yes. But tell me about being pregnant in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I always say to people, this is my first child, so I, I don't have anything to compare it to. Right. Right. Number mm-hmm. one. But it was very much you're in a, I'm in a constant state of fear because mm-hmm. as a first time mom, you are in general. Yes. I'm Googling things every day. What's that? What is this? What's that? What does this mean? What if I eat this? What if I do that? And add to, add to that the layer of we're afraid in general for what's going on around you. What yes. happens if I get this? What when I have the baby? What if she gets it then? There's just mm-hmm. so many concerns. My husband to this day has never seen the baby in a, um, on the ultrasound. Because right. he is not allowed to go with me for any of my appointments. Um, again, I know I'm privileged to even have a partner. I can't yes. imagine what women who who are going through this, or people who are going through this, are I dealing. Could, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know what that's like. But it certainly was challenging because I had to go by myself to all these appointments yes. and do all these things. And uh, I couldn't even film the process. Oh, you couldn't? No, I couldn't do anything. And also a lot of the people were very uptight. I felt like a lot of the warmth was removed Mm. and replaced with this kind of a clinical approach to things because we were so procedural and all about the policies and steps to do with the, with COVID. But um, it was weird. So that was the bad side, but the good part of it in my first trimester, when I was just like sick all day, Mm -hmm. I was able to just be home in my sweats and just, not have to leave the house. I'm fortunate okay. anyway that I do work from home for the most part. Okay. So that was a bit of a blessing. As I mentioned before, nobody has to touch my stomach. Yeah. So it was a really great time for me and my husband to kind of just bond mm-hmm. and, and have that those last months yes. to speak together. Mm-hmm. But it was really crazy. And then in the summer when we had this whole racial reckoning I know. And, and black uprising and all that stuff, it was really stressful, uh-huh. especially for somebody like me. I have a little bit of a profile and people are expecting me to say stuff. So, yes. I have this child coming into this world and it was quite something. And yeah. then obviously I gave birth with a mask on the whole time. Oh, you had a mask on the whole time? Girl. How do you breathe? I managed, (laughs) believe it or not, it was better pushing because I wasn't self-conscious about (laughs) all of the facial things I was doing. So I felt like, oh, I, 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 it was a little bit, it was fine. Um, I took the mask off when I was with my husband and I, but for the most part, it had to have it on. 
Wow. Well, that's a good segue because somewhere I read 23 hours of labor. What? I would How? never have thought. <laughs> Why? I know. Talk to me about that labor and delivery. Uh, I, where do I begin? I know. Okay. First of all, tell me how far along were you? Did you make, were Mm -hmm. you at full term? I was past, I was 40, 40 days, 40 weeks and six days. Okay. Rain came into the world Mm -hmm. and, um, don't tell anybody your due date is what I say now because it just got so annoying with people like, Oh, you passed you. Is it, is it here yet? Any action? She taking a long, she taking a sweet time in day. What's she doing in day? I'm like, I don't know. It's already stressful to me. I know I'm late. You have to yeah. remind me, people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had gone to see my my OB, and um, prior to that, I forget the specific days, but I did two membrane sweeps. Okay, are you familiar with that? Yeah, which mm-hmm. is basically a process. We kind of loosen things up so oh, that uh-huh. right action will begin and it didn't happen right and so she was like well maybe we should schedule um um induction Mm -hmm. because she knew she was going to be on duty on the saturday so this was must be monday she knew she was going to be on duty saturday so let's book something Mm -hmm. and if it happens before which i'm you know fine the thing is we had just closed on a house my husband and i and oh the closing, boy. the baby was due the 15th. The closing date was November 12th. So we were scheduled to move on the Saturday that the industry wow. happened. So, uh, and it was so stressful. I was just like, you know what? We're going to have to move during the day and then just check in in the evening. Okay. Right? I wasn't physically going to be involved in the moving. Right. We had, like my, my brother and my mom and some other people were going to be helping us. We had movers and stuff. So Hmm. He would just facilitate the beginning and then we would meet up at my mom's place, my brother's place, and then go later. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So that was the plan because I it would have been good to have my if I knew I could have my OB, yeah. then that of would course. be good. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. But um so we're packing the Friday and um getting ready for the next for the induction. Basically, that evening, I started getting contractions the Friday night. And so we quickly had to tell everybody, okay, so the move, by the way, you're, you guys are moving without us because we're going to the hospital <laughs> yes. now. Uh, so it was probably like midnight. I waited. I was doing the counting myself for a little while before waiting right. and looking at my husband because I had been getting, having some contractions before. Right. And um, yeah, we labored at home for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We called the hospital, and um, I think I was at home for maybe four hours. Okay. Then things started to get really close apart. I do. I did also have a doula. Okay. That was really helpful. So we were able mm-hmm. to call her and tell her what was happening, and so she was able to track the contractions and so forth with us, and was able to help with some of the uh, the pain um, management, yes. telling us what to do and so on. And so got to the hospital probably like five hours in to the labor to see I forget all the terms now you normally so I was so up with all the terms pre and active and all these different yes yeah so so, so that was like maybe 11 o'clock things started I got to the hospital maybe 4 30 in the morning Uh five-ish and then 
uh, I was maybe three, four centimeters dilated. Okay. Essentially, uh, the baby wasn't moving down fast enough. Okay. Right. Things were moving a lot. My contractions were strong enough, which which would typically indicate that there, there was enough impetus to yep. get the movement going, but that wasn't happening. I my plan was I would have I love to have a, a natural birth course, and not yeah. to have um, interventions. I did definitely didn't want to have pitocin, which is what they give you to kind of yes. speed up birth, process, but it really yeah. accentuates your your contraction. Yep. And then you end up having to do the epidural and have both pain. So then it's this vicious cycle of contractions, pain, slowing it down. And then it, elong- it makes the whole thing much longer. Right. So I had um, expressed to them that I didn't want the Pitocin. And it was a really great collaborative effort, which was something that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. I had... Um, there were so many people who changed the shift on shift right. by the time I was there. Yeah, because you're there uh, a long time. <laughs> exactly. So mm-hmm. I got a little bit of everything. My husband and I labored together uh, for, I think, till maybe 10 or 11 okay. in the morning. This was from 11, you know. The previous night. And then eventually I was like, listen, the contractions are too close. I'm just not even getting a chance to catch myself in between. Yes, yes. And so I said, I'm grateful that I had this opportunity to be with you and to to, to see what that felt like. Right. But no, I'm ready for a little epi. Yeah. I'm ready for the do. Tell the me, do how, far, how far along were you? Like, you were dilated to what when you felt... You needed some epi in your life. I forgot. I I should have been looking back on my notes because we're talking with the doula. I can't find it now, but I think I was still at maybe maybe four or five or something. Oh, yeah. So not not much had happened, mm, right? And right. so you're doing all these techniques, watching movies, trying to laugh and so forth. Because that um, you were watching movies. Well, yeah. You try to, you, you're supposed to be in like a fuzzy mood, like nice and warm and fuzzy and happy because that is what yes. makes the action. Mm-hmm. So I forget what we were watching. We like this show called IT Crowd or It oh, Crowd. Okay. Anyway, then mm-hmm. people come as like, let's do this thing. Uh, what in, what's they called? My, my the off. Yeah, but what are the people called? The anesthesiologists. Anesthesiologists, yes. They came, the one woman was trying for quite some time and she's like, your, your spine is tight. Your spine's so tight. I can't find a space to think. And I'm like, well, let's get, let's get that. Because I'm trying to control the contraction because you yes. can't move, move. during the Correct. epidural, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she poked up my back for like, it's supposed to be 20 minutes. The process, it took an hour. Oh my goodness. Bracing and grinning. Then she was like, you know what? I can actually do this. I'm going to call somebody else. So okay. <laughs> somebody else came and poked up, poked up, and then they were able to get it. So basically, I went through an epidural. And following that, they ended up breaking my waters because it had okay. it didn't They realized that um, the baby had pooed. So there was oh, some meconium. Right. And, um, but it was fine. They were like, had this happened at home, it would have been an issue. But right here. Yeah. Uh, so all along, we're just trying to speed things up, speed things up. By this time, my actual OB has arrived. No, because she started her, her shift at 6 the evening. So this wow. is like 6 p.m. No, from 
you know. Yeah, midnight. And yeah. you just you're just kind of there. I had the epidural. I was trying to still move around and 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 use peanut balls and so forth. Um, eventually, they realized that she was facing down but up. Mm. Right, so she was facing up, but face up, mm-hmm. and obviously you want it, you know, to be yes. casting out with the back of your head because they're just right. harder to go through. So that's why she wasn't moving down. Mm. So e- eventually, we decided let's just do the pitocin because mm-hmm. it's going to give me some more like really strong contractions to move the thing down, and. um did that the pitocin is no joke and they were starting to talk about like intervening and perhaps having to you know maybe do do the surgery route or whatever and i was like let me just push the man i kept saying can i push can i push please you know uh and there's just all these discussions and whatever Uh that's the one thing you always really have to advocate for yourself for you to just go along with what everybody's saying like you want to be involved in your birth if it is obviously safe for the baby but they had been monitoring the heart rate and she was doing well it's just that she was facing up and eventually with my pushing and with me pushing to push we started to push and um I think it was maybe half an hour to 40 minutes of of major pushing because it was harder because of the face up things and she she came out. She came out with the cord around her neck. Oh, but yeah. they literally just was like, whoop, oh, you know. Right. It was just a quick little. It wasn't like how you see it in the movies. No. But tell me something. Had you not advocated for yourself, do you think you would have been involved in the decision making? Like, do you think they took what you had to say to heart and, mm-hmm. help, you know, decide, okay, let's let her push? Do you think you're... Yeah. I, I think so. You know, I do think so. And I, I, ri- I had written a birth plan, right? right. Because they give you a, a, a part of that to write in your, in your intake form. And I mentioned that whatever is safe for the baby, but I would love to try this. And I, I, would, I don't like Pitocin. So the first Obi who was on shift mm-hmm. was very much like, we don't want to do the Pitocin. And it, I, I was very relieved with the fact that they were they were understanding and they weren't forcing me to do things I did want to move around a little bit more I wanted right. to try laboring on my knees I wanted to try doing on my side which we didn't weren't able to do because of the fact that she was face up and it was just it just how it happened uh, and yeah. I'm fine with that mm-hmm. but I feel like yeah if I didn't there was a point when I was in triage and my husband wasn't able to be there with me and I was in a lot of pain and I was you have to speak up I said, yeah. I'm like, why am I here right now? Why am I here still? Mm-hmm. But what do you need to achieve? Like you have to ask these questions. questions. Yeah. They just, you know? Yeah. It's, and there's yeah. a lot, there's a history with, with black women. I mean, I know it's not going to be the, the same case in the Caribbean because, you know, we're the majority there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, up here, there's that whole idea that, you know, black women can withstand any kind of pain, that they're right. stronger uh-huh. And so I did experience a little bit of that in the sense that I was trying to tell them I need a t- another dose of the epidural because when the Pitocin came, it was really quite a bit. And there was another black nurse who was there who had to also advocate for me when right. I, when she said, what is the pain? I said, girl, 10. And she yes. said, no, 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 no. Let us deal with this, yeah. you know? 
And if she wasn't there, it would have been a different story. Exactly. Right? Yeah. All right. So that happened. Before you, how long did you have to stay in the hospital for? We stayed for two days. Okay. Yeah. And did you receive any advice about you taking care of yourself post delivery? Mm-hmm. How did they give you any advice as to how to do that? Right. Yeah. Well, they were like, here's some pads, here's some underwear things, and um, here's a Tylenol, here's some Senecot, because you're going to need to take that for, you know, making things oh, move yeah. down there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But to be honest, no. Again, I'm grateful I had a doula. Shout out to birth boss. Um, So I kind of, I had everything. I had packed all my stuff, panties, what do they call it? Disposable stuff. Disposable, yeah. Uh Different types of pads, just perennial spray, creams. Uh They don't tell you any of that stuff there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was afraid to take the pain medication because right. of the baby yeah I didn't think that I would have to have to, like they give you a little Tylenol and a little Advil and you're supposed to take them together because I literally couldn't walk I mm-hmm. couldn't walk or it was it was crazy but I remember the first time I bathed I was still conf- I was like shoot what can I bathe and I was still at the hospital I wasn't sure what to do yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. and it but feels Mm-hmm. It feels scary. I remember my first bath to at the hospital, and I was like, "Can I wash down there? Like, what's happening? <laughs> like, I is it safe? It? Is Can it I? Soap? I don't know." <laughs> yeah, and when I touched it, I'm like, "Okay, this does not feel like mine. Whose own is this? Right? Come and get it because <laughs> it's not mine. Come <laughs> and get it." <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. So mm-hmm. okay, so I'm, I'm. It's interesting that one would think being in the more developed country that the 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 communication between practitioner even whether it's a nurse or um, midwife or you know just whoever's taking care of you at that point in time would be able to communicate to you like this is what needs to happen I think Mm -hmm. they rely they think that we know what's going on we see movies we watch tv we hear from people so we should know but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and preconceptions that about just after delivery, how do you take care of yourself? Because for me, I was shocked at how much swelling I had. I was shocked at the amount of blood. Like I was, and I am a physical therapist. I've dealt with blood. I've seen swelling, but it shocked me. I was like, oh my God. And nobody spoke to me about that where the people where is the I know and there's a there's an idea like you said we they expect us to know but there's a martyrdom as well that I think goes along with it that it's you will just deal with it yes suck it up figure it out that's what we've done for decades your self-care does not matter Mm -hmm. you know and so there's somehow you're forgotten in there because you're just supposed to shoulder it obviously you're just supposed to get it done but and like I said I'm type A so I had studied I was one of these people who I knew it was going to be happening Mm -hmm. but I still there was still still so much like I didn't expect to not be able to walk right for a while like I was like literally unstable Mm -hmm. I still have pelvic floor issues as a matter of fact I'm 16 weeks now postpartum right and um uh so 
there's physiotherapy that has to occur there because there's a weakness if you, you feel like yes. a heaviness in mm-hmm. your vagina and yes um there's so many different things so just that healing process people sh- should also look know what your vagina looks like, looks like as well before so that you remind yourself Mm-hmm. sometimes a lot of women go to the OB after the fact and they go, yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. Start having sex again, exercise, blah, blah, blah. but you know, when you're ready, cause you know what it's supposed to look like, but some people don't familiarize themselves or they don't. I actually have to ask my OB to look at it. And when mm-hmm. I went to my six week postpartum, I, she, she was, we were having a conversation and she was like, yeah, we're good. Any extra bleeding, the bleeding stop. Yep. Any pain? Good. Da, da, da. All right. Good to go. And I was like, can you, can Have you look. look at it? So, yeah. Right. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I, okay. But again, asking, advocating. advocating is just so important. But the postpartum. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So you um, talked about, you talked about your doula. And I think this is something that's growing in the Caribbean. More and more women are getting doulas, but um, it's still not the most popular option out there. Tell me about why that resource was so good for you and why maybe we should probably have more doulas in, in the public system in the Caribbean to assist mm-hmm. women with their birthing. Yes, for sure. Because I know that... Um, the care that we receive, that I was going to receive, was probably not going to be as customized and as focused and attentive that as I would have liked. And I know I just, I like, I need that reassurance and that attention. I need to be able to ask questions constantly. And I just know, I knew that my OB was not going to be able to provide that. I would say that I'm kind of halfway between a wellness sort of a spiritual, not, I don't want to say spiritual, but what what's the word i'm 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 in the between there with wellness and natural things right. but i still knew i wanted to have the baby at a hospital yes right so this was my way of having the medical right with also something more holistic that is the word mm-hmm. so it's it's important because you get to arm yourself i felt so much more empowered going into labor i was not afraid of the birth. I was more, as a matter of fact, I was more afraid of, of course, postpartum, but not right. from the way it changed my body, but from how it was going to change my lifestyle. Right. I was more concerned about my lifestyle. Yeah. We're going to get there. That, We're going to get there. Right? Yeah. So I wasn't afraid of labor because of the preparation with the doula. And it was a little strange because it was virtual up to now. I meet you. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, up to now. <laughs> So um, we just do a lot of FaceTimes and my husband and I we did classes with her and she, we have a, a chat group and any questions, right. any issues like that. Right. Um, oh, but that's yeah, fantastic. cause we couldn't, I mean, I'm sure if I insisted on her being, oh, she couldn't be at the hospital anyway. Right. We allowed the just... one support person. Mm. All right. So, so yeah. So I, another post that I scanned, um, you talked about if becoming a mom would basically slow down the momentum that you had made recently. Has that been the case? No, it has not at all. 
as a matter of fact, so as you know, I'm a multi-hyphenate crazy lady. Yes. <laughs> I have like three jobs, but it's just what works for me. And uh, so from an acting perspective, while I was pregnant, I actually booked one of my biggest roles while pregnant, which I didn't think was going to happen at all. I didn't I, expect to be working. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when you're acting, like who wants some pregnant woman on set? Right. It's, it's awful. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, it didn't slow that, that down then. Now I'm not doing as much auditioning with the acting and so forth. Uh, just because of of uh, childcare and because mm-hmm. of COVID, I don't have anybody except right. for me and my husband to take care of the baby. Mm-hmm. So it's a little it's a little bit slower. But on my influencing side of things, and when I do my TV and my beauty expert right. stuff, that has gone through the roof. Like that is even That's I'm fantastic. more busy now. Even right. like still even more busy than before. So okay. that's a fallacy. The idea okay. that things will slow down. As a matter of fact, every mom that I know says that their careers went to the next level after having a child. The tenacity, the drive only increases. Yeah. Do you agree? I don't know. I have to agree. I mean, <laughs> this podcast, Caribbean Boot Stories, was born postpartum. Mm-hmm. You know, literally, it was boost. Um, because of my experience and my drive to really just share the message and spread the word. And I don't think that would have happened. Well, it would not have happened if I didn't have a baby, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, I definitely think that, like you said, that tenacity, you just, it just goes to another level. Once you, you have a baby, you see this life that you have to protect, that you have to provide for support, nourish everything. And everything else Yes, it's in the background, but you do what you have to do to get there, to protect, to provide. So, so I don't, so yes, for me, it hasn't slowed down. And I just wanted to hear what your answer would be, given that your career is just all over the place. You do do just everything, you know? Um, So what's one piece of of forward facing things? You know, not like just behind the scenes, like I have to like be on. Exactly, exactly. But tell me what's one piece of advice you'd give yourself, your younger self, given this experience of giving birth and motherhood and the transition, like looking back at maybe say when you were 24, 25, what would you tell yourself then? Oh Lord, I don't know. I never know these questions. I always, (laughs) these, what would you tell your younger self situation? I guess I could, I, I would say ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help because I have a way of doing everything on my own. Uh-huh. Scorpio, Caribbean woman. personality. prefer, because I do it the best. I know how to do it the best. So I will do all of the things. And I've had many lives and started many businesses and projects and things like that. And uh, most of my downfall, although I never say I fail anything because it's always a learning experience right. or, you know, you just move on. I always, I think asking for help and selling your strengths, but buying your weaknesses mm-hmm. sometimes and in, in, in business, certainly I had a way of like, I'm going to design stuff. Are you a designer? No. What are you doing? Where are you going with that? Right. Buy that, but sell what you're good at, you know? 
So that falls in line with asking for help also. Yeah. So, and that, that comes in with the doula, that comes in with now where I am. What it's, it's tricky to ask for help in a COVID oh, climate, yes, yes. right? But mm-hmm. it, it, it comes in different forms as well, right? Not necessarily physical help. Right. Now, and then just kind of extrapolating from that, what would you, what advice would you give to an expectant mom right now in the middle of COVID still? I mean, I don't know, what's the situation in, in Canada mm-hmm. with lockdown and stuff? Well, today marks one year that we've had this lockdown. As a matter of fact, this, I found out I was pregnant. I don't want to say it because I don't know when this is going to air, but okay. um, yeah. I, the, around this time, right. I, know I was pregnant, which is interesting. Okay. So we are in a kind of quasi opening at mm-hmm. this point. So, so some yeah. stores are open, but like you can't get your hair done. You can't get spa services and so forth. Right. But so we're sort of open. Right. But so what would you tell a mom right now who is pregnant and expecting her baby in the Caribbean, but also maybe out in the diaspora experiencing lockdown still? Yes. What's one thing that stands out about your experience that you want to share? I suppose it is, it is the, because it's almost a fine line between surrendering and standing your ground. Right. It is that fine, that balance between uh, going with the flow, mm-hmm. but at the same time preparing, being prepared and being um, able to stand up for yourself in every scenario. Once you enter this journey of uh, pregnancy and and being to, to becoming a mother, there's so many decisions that have to be made. You're constantly making decisions, yes. and you're constantly going to second guess yourself, mm-hmm. and you're constantly going to wonder if it is the right decision you're making. And sometimes you really that's this is the big thing actually. This is the advice to trust your gut. To trust your gut through the process. Literally trust when you're pregnant, trust what you're, what's happening in inside you, that feeling, because that will never, ever stare you wrong. If you are even in the labor process, you trust your instincts, you ask your questions, you ask them if you could take a little bit of time to answer that, yeah. what the risks are, you know, just trust your gut. Know as a mom my gut has, my instinct has never stayed me wrong so far. And I'm a veteran, four months. Uh, <laughs> but just, just really, really practice listening to yourself and trusting yourself. I think that's wonderful because especially as a new mom, everybody has advice as to how to do everything from mm. feeding, how often you show, you show the child not hungry. Yeah. Give them a nut, top them up now. Yeah. So, (laughs) so trust me, it just, that was like my little pet peeve because everybody's like, you sure? You sure? He looking like he hungry. I just fed him. I just fed him a little while ago. Yeah. He's not hungry. He might be just a little cranky. Yeah. But you know, everybody out of love, they, they, they want to, you know, so you have to be able to stand your ground and, Mm -hmm. you know, and as well as be receptive and respectful of the advice unsolicited mm-hmm. and all so i asked all my guests at the end to choose a song that's representative of their journey <laughs> pregnancy birth motherhood the whole shebang 
a song that comes to mind that really captures that. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> I I'm so bad. First of all, I very seldom know names of songs. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, you could just sing a line in the song. You see, I'm asking you to sing now. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. See, Shanat, wait. Can, okay. Are you going to edit this? I, I mean, this is funny, so I don't see why I should edit this. Because <laughs> I can't think of, I, a soca song comes to life for whatever okay. reason. Like, All I right. feel like that's my, that's who I am. Like most, I am a soca song. Mm-hmm. But, um, is the there a soca artist been... that you're thinking about? Does Skinny no. come to mind? Does some... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a song named Unpredictable? Is there Possibly. Unpredictable. And then, is that Jamie Foxx? Or are we lying? Oh. But that, I'm just... Yeah, I think word. that's Jamie Foxx. But it's the word, but not the what mm-hmm. he's singing about per se <laughs> okay so um, we'll just do word for you we won't do song mm-hmm. okay. your word is unpredictable that's stupid no man <laughs> i'm not an unpredictable person i i, I, I plan things okay because pregnancy was amazing to be mm-hmm. honest i loved it i loved right. my pregnancy. my hair was the bomb my skin was the bomb.com wow um, so it was just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. enough good. enough up and up, up and up. up and up, up and up, yeah. It just got better and better. It started there really we go. bad in the first trimester and it just got better and better and better. Fantastic. <sighs> Fantastic. You see, we got there. We got there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just like a great, great way to end this podcast episode. Thank you so much, Anika. Um, it was fantastic speaking to you. And um, I really hope our guests get to, you know, they pull out lots of gems from everything that you had to say and share with us. So thank and you. I'm happy to share. I'm so grateful for this. Thank you. When I saw your, this chat you had with Lauren, I was yeah. like, this is incredible. I shared it. So I'm thank happy so to be much. here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>